and fights in the church. The second part is dealing with the will of God. We want to finish up the first part this evening. We've been digging into it. And we saw how the, the, there were fights and there were squabbles and people were just being selfishly driven and motivated and acting ugly in the church but acting like the world. Terrible thing, isn't it? And um, James is dealing with them. He says, you know, there's a cure for that. It's called the grace of God. You, you don't have to act like the world. You don't have to be fighting and fussing with one another. You can walk in love. You can walk in unity. It's amazing. We, we want to ask God to give us healing from cancers. We can't believe him to give us a peaceful loving, joyful spirit over the cranktified people that are too often prevalent in the church. But let me move on from that. But we're dealing with how James gives us some tips on how to get this grace to flow. God's given us grace. But that grace can lie dormant. That grace can almost evaporate if we don't live right in a way that um, stirs the grace and releases the grace. That's why Paul said, be strong in the grace. So you can have grace and not be strong in it. And so again, we've been looking at these points. We started out with the verse 7. And James says, number one, relinquish control. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. You want God's grace to flow in your life? Surrender to God. Do things God's way. Submit to God. Secondly, resist the devil. And that's the next line. Submit to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Put to work the things you know. Put to work the things you believe. Do you believe in prayer? Then start saying some prayers. Do you believe in the Bible? Then start believing it and speaking it with your mouth. Do you believe in the armor of God? Then begin to walk in and take your authority and stand against the enemy. He'll do whatever he can do until you put your foot down. Amen? You've got to put your foot down. Um, restore worship. Draw near to God. And what a beautiful promise he'll draw near to us. You want to enjoy a greater measure of God's grace? Draw near to the throne of grace. Make it your daily practice. Make it a habit in, in your life. And if you're going to do that, he says, make sure we've got clean hands and a pure heart. Because he went on to say, renounce sinful actions, rejects sinful attitudes, and then react to sin with sorrow. When we miss it, let's turn from it. Let's ask God to forgive us. Let's take it seriously. Now, these last three that we want to cover tonight, starting with verse 9, fourth chapter, grieve, mourn, and wail, change. That's the change. Your laughter to mourning, your joy to gloom, Verse 10, humble yourself before the Lord and he'll lift you up. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges and speaks against the law and judges it, when you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but you're sitting in judgment. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one that's able to destroy and save. But who are you to judge your neighbor? So verse 9 is a call for change. Change your attitude. Want the grace to flow? Well, your attitude towards God, towards the brethren, towards sin, it's got to change. But secondly, you want the grace of God to flow? Then humble yourself. He gives grace to the humble. Humility, it positions us for promotion. He says, if you'll humble yourself under God's mighty hand, he'll exalt you in due time. Amen? So don't kick against the pricks. Don't do things your way. Stop fighting with God and submit to God and watch God bless your life. Then lastly, Anyone who speaks, we've got to watch our speech. You want grace to flow? We, we, we can't be negative towards the brethren. We can't be condemning and ugly towards the brethren. That quenches the grace of God every time. So let, let, let's look at this together. Let's look at this. The first one, verse 9, grieve, mourn, wail, change. Your laughter to mourning, your joy to gloom. We're going to call that refrain from a frivolous attitude. 
refrain or change, change your attitude. And again, remember the context. There's fights, there's quarrels, divisions, selfish motives and agendas, and they're acting like the world. And the worst thing is they're not feeling bad about it. They're not, that you can tell that you carnal and callous when you don't have any feeling, amen? Spiritual people are a sensitive people. They're tender. The Holy Spirit can convict them and they get it, amen? But you know when your hands or something's callous, hearts get callous. And so James saying, listen, you, you want some grace? We've got to make a change. Our attitude has to change. The, and he's picturing how their attitude is kind of flippant. It's kind of casual. And it's kind of um, carnal towards, again, towards God, towards the people of God, towards their sinful actions. They were just doing terrible things and not feeling bad about it. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine just, you can lie about someone, not feel guilty about it. You just be flat out mean to someone and not feel bad about it. That, that's a, that's, if you're not saved, you are backslidden, amen? If you're so dense and so that you can't sense the spirit being grieved there. So in the past, they've been driven by their selfish agendas, okay? Personal pleasures. They laughed and they've kind of mocked at sin and eternal things. They just kept going at it. But now James is calling them to do an about face. James says, listen, you want the grace to flow? You've got to change your attitude towards these things. When you sin, you've got to be quick to say, Lord, forgive me. When you're unkind to your brother, you've got to say, sorry, I didn't mean that. Forgive me. I was having a bad... We have to do that. It's a call for them to change their attitude. If we're going to be successful Christians, if we're going to be victorious Christians, our attitude has to be one of a victorious Christian. Our attitude has to be serious and sincere towards our Christianity. We have to take our Christianity serious, amen? It's not a hobby. We have to do it seriously. Um, we, we have to um, be people, we should be positive if we're going to have the right attitude. Because we're people of faith. We're, we have hope. Because we know in the end we win, amen? We just pass them through. And so again, um, we're, we're, our attitude, we're intentionally trying to please God and do the will of God. There's the attitude of the overcoming Christian that we attack life and we serve Christ with a sincerity and um, with a real intentional effort to please God. Jesus, what did he do? Um, he, he strove to please the Father. That's how he lived his life, to please, and we should do that. So again, um, a telltale sign that someone that backsliding or backslides not far away is they, they, they can sin and look at it as no big deal. They, they can um, begin to think spiritual things are boring and dull. And all the things of the world all of a sudden have all that attraction to them. But I want to keep the grace strong and flowing. I want to do that. You know, Brother Hagee ha had a man come into his office some years ago. And the man sat down. He says, I feel, preacher, I feel guilty. And Brother Hagee responded, that's because you are. Well, that guy didn't like that word, so I think he left, and Brother Hagee's response was another satisfied customer. But anyhow, um, you know what? When we mess up, we should feel guilty. When we do wrong, according to the Word of God, we should sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Again, remember this. Confession and repentance precedes cleansing and forgiveness. Confessing and turning from that. That comes first. Then we get the joy of salvation. Then we get to enjoy the cleansing and the forgiveness, right? That only God can give. So again, 
The point here is if you want the grace of God to flow in your life, we've got to have a proper attitude. We have to have the right attitude towards God, and we need to walk with God with sincerity and a seriousness and a reverence, amen, and a reverence towards God. But also we have to have the proper attitude towards the brethren. We've got to love one another, and we've got to try to be compassionate and kind to one another. Treat others like we would want them to treat us, amen. Treat others like Jesus treated us. And we certainly need to have the right attitude towards our sins and our shortcomings. No one's perfect. And when we do mess up, we don't want to cover it up. We don't want to make excuses. We want to quick say, Lord, forgive me. And if I offended someone else, then they act, I'm sorry. And make things right. Amen? Let's look at this. Hebrews 5 and verse 7. Hebrews 5 and verse 7. Here's a picture of Jesus. One of the, the attitude of Jesus. He um, served reverently. He had an attitude of reverence and the fear of God as he walked in his life. During the days of Jesus' life on the earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. I love this. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. He was heard his godly fear. New King James. He was heard because of his godly fear. See, that's the attitude of reverence. You want to walk with God? You want to have power with God? Have a proper reverence in fear of the Lord. Amen? Jesus had such an attitude towards sin and towards the Father's will. He would never sin. Tempted, but never sinned, right? And towards the Father's will, that was his chief endeavor to always obey the Father, even when it cost him. So again, we see in the life of Jesus that Jesus' attitude was one of seriousness and reverence. He strove to live pure and holy. Amen? But now look in um, Hebrews 12, 28 and 29, and we should have a similar attitude. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful, and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Look at that. What kind of worship is acceptable? Not, not just if it's loud, not just if it's strobe lights, not just if it's, you know, with all the, you know, more worldly than spiritual, but when it comes with a reverence and an awe. For our God is a consuming fire. That's the way of saying God's holy and awesome. And we're to worship him. There has to be a reverence in it. A joy, absolutely. A celebration, you better believe it. Amen? Oh, man, clapping and shouting and rejoicing in the Lord. Of course. But that comes out of a reverence and an awe from the God we serve, the true and living God. So again, again, I, what's that? With fear and godly, with reverence and godly fear, the New King James says. Isn't that something? What's acceptable worship? There's a reverence and a godly fear. You see, Christians should have a proper God-fearing attitude towards sin, towards God, reverence, even respect towards the brethren, towards the brethren. Look, look at this, for example, Hebrews 11.7. Hebrews 11.7 is another good example. This is Noah and how Noah responded with reverence when God spoke to him. We, we take very flippantly the things of God. God says, thou shalt not, and people say, well, I will if I want. And there's no reverence for God in that. There's no fear of the Lord in that. Amen? I mean, I got blessed. Pastor Todd did a wonderful job at his father's funeral. And he, he got that at the end. And he brought that, 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 that message of salvation. His father's testimony. 
when he had that close call, he came out of it and he realized, you know what? I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I'm ready. Uh, you No one's guaranteed tomorrow. He thought he had a lot of years. He thought he had plenty of time and he had a very close scare and, and, and the fear of God came on him. I don't know how else to say it. Where he said, I've got to do some heart searching. I've got to get things right. Because I thought I had a lot. No one has time. We could be gone before we end this service. So you've got to live right. You've got to make sure your heart is right with God continually. That's living with reverence and fear, with a proper awe and respect for God. It doesn't take away joy. It doesn't take away peace. That's all part of the fruit of the Spirit. But there's a reverence in how we live. And this is Noah. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, about the future, in holy fear, he built an ark to save his family. When God gave him a warning, even though it looked like it didn't make sense, and though it was many years coming, you know, Noah didn't just shrug off the word of the Lord. Noah just didn't take flippantly the warnings of heaven. The Bible says in holy fear, he responded. I believe in heaven and hell. So I'm going to make sure my family grows up in God's house where they can hear the gospel, amen, so they can meet Jesus, so they can be close with the Lord. Isn't that true? If I really believe that, like Noah, any good father, you're building an ark to save your family. I believe what the Bible says. I believe there's coming a day. I believe when a person dies to stand before the living God. We believe that. So in holy fear and reverence, we build our lives in a way to save our families. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, he built an ark and he saved his family. And by his faith, see, faith's an action word, isn't it? Faith's bringing them out. Faith's getting them there. Faith's living it in front of them. Oh, glory to God. By his faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So, number one, we're, we're, our first thought tonight, refrain from the frivolous attitude. They had a terrible attitude. They were fighting, you know, being selfish. And they were so carnal that they couldn't even sense the conviction of the Lord. They had gone so out of touch with the spirit that it didn't even bother them. No shame, no shame. I remember one of the prophets, Jeremiah, he says then they don't even blush. They don't even blush. We live in a world that doesn't blush anymore. Ain't that right? We, we live in a world that doesn't blush. It's perverted, it's confused, it mocks holiness. They don't even blush. Amen? They don't even blush. But how much worse when it's among the supposed people of God. When we sin, we ought to, hey, listen, don't get condemned over it, but be sincere and say, Lord, I was wrong. Brother, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. That's what he says. Let's have a different attitude. I want to have an attitude. An attitude that sincerely serves God. That is a proper reverence for God. That my Christianity I take seriously. It's not a hobby. It's not something that comes after my golf game. Come on, say amen. Amen. And, and I want to make sure in my Christianity, my attitude is positive. Because we're people of faith. And we're people of expectation. And we know of God before us who can be against us. And we have a hope because we know we're passing through this world. This world's not our home, amen? But, but that reverence. And we intentionally, like Jesus, I'm seeking first the kingdom. I'm making it my effort to please the Lord. And that's the attitude that we need to have. All right, let's move on from there. Secondly, um, to Paul, James says, verse 10, and humble yourselves before the Lord and he'll lift you up. Humble yourself. We're going to get into this in the next section on the will of God.
where there's a group of businessmen, Christian businessmen, that um, I think Brother MacArthur used this phrase, were living like practical atheists. They were Christians, but living more like atheists. They were Christians, but not seeking God for his will, just doing their own thing and expecting God to be blessed, making their own decisions and not even seeking the Lord first. And we have to realize that when we're blessed, we need to give God praise for it. Amen? When we're victorious, when we're successful, when we see the good things in life, we don't take credit for those things, so we properly work and we give our effort. But we want to give glory to God, don't we? And that's one way we will humble ourselves. And he's saying, listen, listen, you want the grace to flow? Stay humble. Give God glory. Recognize the good things in your life. Give God praise. Pause every now and again. Look, look at those pictures of your children. And just pause and give God praise. Give God thanks. Every now and again, just look around. Take inventory of the blessings and say, thank you, Lord. You see, I, I didn't deserve it, but you were good. This is a blessing of the Lord. That's a blessing of the Lord. Amen? That's a blessing of the Lord. I want to respond humbly to that. Remember the context. He's calling them. Let's go to that next slide. What do we? Let's say, here we go. This principle, humbly, respond humbly to victory, humbly to blessing, humbly to success. This principle runs throughout Scripture, dealing with our relationship with God and with one another. When we study the Bible, obviously we humble ourselves before the Lord, but we also humble towards one another. And that is an attitude that keeps grace flowing. That pleases God. That brings the smile of heaven upon us. Um, let's look at this together. God's grace is with the humble. So if you want to move in the grace of God, stay humble. Amen. Look, if you would, at 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6. 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6. I want to respond humbly to the blessings of God. Let's give God glory. Let's give God glory for it. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to humble myself. You know, he can lift me up. They said, if you'll humble yourself, when God decides to lift you up, no man can keep you down. Amen. And now notice this, 1 Peter 5 and 6. Now, young men, in the same way, be submissive to those that are older. All of you, all of us, clothe or put on, clothe yourselves with humility. Clothe yourselves towards one another. I think it should say towards one another. Um, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. And you think about Peter in his mind. Is he imagining Jesus on the night that he was betrayed when he wrapped that towel around him and he got down and washed their feet? Clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Some people, oh, I'll humble myself before God, but God says humble yourself before your brother. Treat your brother kindly. Treat your sister respectfully. Amen? And, and humble ourselves towards one another. God says that's where grace flows. That's where grace flows. Amen? And, and then here we go. To the elders of the church, I appeal to you towards one another. God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he might lift you up in due season. So humble ourselves towards the brethren so the smile of God stays upon us and the peace and the blessing of the spirits there. But then humble yourself before the Lord. Because how many know God wants to lift up his people? Amen. God wants to bless his people. God wants to use his people. I love that. Humble yourselves. Now, now who does the humbling? We do. Amen. It's humble yourselves. I mean, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a hint. It's a whole lot better humbling yourselves than have God humble you. 
<laughs> Humble yourselves, amen? Just, just beat them to it. Lord, I'm going to, I'm getting down, amen? I'm getting down. I know, no, you're going to have to put me down, Lord. I'm getting down. I'm getting down here. So we, we, uh, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So, so I, I, I got enough problems. I don't need God opposing me, amen? I don't know about you. I got enough problems. I got enough. What, I don't need God. I want to be on his side. So anyway, um, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves. I got to do the humbling. Therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. When the time is right, God says, I'll lift you up and I'll bless you and I'll defend you and I'll anoint you and I'll give you blessings that are, oh man, so God, so God. So look, let's look to it, um, Luke 14 and 11. Luke 14 and 11. These are the words of Jesus. He said, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. What a beautiful thought. Amen? And again, notice, um, exalts himself or humbles himself. Something we do. Something we do. It's the proper attitude we take towards one another. Preferring one another. Reverencing, honoring one another. You know, I, um, I, I read uh, Leviticus. Leviticus, I'm thinking, 19... And, you know, the, the, the old Italians, I'll tell you, when, when, when great-grandma would walk in that room, I'd tell you, if you have about six sons, they'd all stand up. And some of these things you think, is it just, you know, old tradition? But that walking through Leviticus, and it says, stand, rise in the presence of the aged. Now, the King James might say the gray heads. And I know around here we'd be doing a lot of standing. There's a lot of older folks around here. And praise God for them all. But it talks about how you reverence and respect your elders. That's in the Bible. That's not just a cultural thing. That's a God thing. Isn't that something? That's, that's a God thing. That's one of the ways we humble ourselves is by honoring others. Giving honor where honor is due. Amen? Oh, yeah. So let's look at one more here. Um, how about Proverbs 3 and 7? You know, grow, growing up, um, oh, Roberts... He, he was one of my favorites when I was younger. I'd read all his biographies, of course. By the time I could remember anything, he was probably, you know, way, you know, in the 50s or 60s. But I remember I, the, I read books of the early days of those great meetings, and I read all his bios. And um, these are one of, this scripture is something his mother, and though Brother Roberts was a good six foot, um, his, his Cherokee mother, she's about five foot. <laughs> but she sometimes get a hold of that ear. And she's oral. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Wow. Don't be proud. Don't be a know-it-all. Don't be cocky. Stay humble before the Lord. And what do you say? Don't touch the gold. Don't touch the glory. Right? That was, oh, don't touch the gold. Don't touch the glory. But this is a verse. Brother Roberts, always said, my, my little mother, would always, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear of the Lord, shun evil. It's humility. And so James is saying, listen, if you want God's grace to flow, walk humbly towards one another. Walk humbly before the Lord. Don't be like the world. They're always fighting about things. They're always demanding this. They're always uptight about that. You know, everything makes them uptight. Everything's offending them. Everything's uptight. You know, and then you get caught, they get caught guilty of sin, and then they, you know, they just want to yell at other people. And it's an uptight world. This is not a humility. But oh, when we walk humbly before God, don't be wise in our own sight. 
give God the glory and put our faith in the Lord. All right. The last one. We talked about refrain from frivolous, carnal, casual attitudes towards God, towards sin, towards the brethren. Have a proper reverence for God. Have a proper um, effort to be intentional and serious about your Christianity. And certainly when we sin, let's not be flippant about that. Let's be quick to say, Lord, forgive me. And if I offended, forgive me. To make things right. To make things right. Amen? But then we said, respond humbly to blessings. Let's not take credit. Let's give all, let's give the glory to Jesus. Amen? And tell of his love. Give the glory to Jesus. Because in doing that, he'll continue to smile upon us. But he said, if you humble yourself, I'll lift you up. But now lastly, refuse to slander your brother. I don't know if I've ever sent, maybe I sent one text in my life. I might have. It was like a, to my boys, no. It was a real, it was, it was, they must have been in school and I was waiting to pick them up about seven years ago in the parking lot. No. And after that, I said, that's it. Don't ever send me another text. I want to hear your voice and I want you to hear mine. I did, I, I'll, let me get back on track here. But that was kind of my, boys, I don't, don't text me nothing. You want you to hear, I want to hear your voice and I want to make sure you hear mine, tone and all. So, but one thing I know, what's that thing? You got to hit send? Is that what you do? You hit send? All right. So under this thought, you got to tell, we got to tell our mouths, don't hit send. If they're not ready to say something that's foolish or unkind or insincere or not pure or not proper. Because if you notice, you have problems. You know, you, you know, wherever there's a split in a church, whenever there's division in a church, people's mouths are running amok. Can you say amen to that? If it's out of the abundance of your, your mouth speaks. So when the heart gets selfish, the heart gets angry, the heart gets bitter, the heart wants to be first, and I want to have my way, it just it gets ugly. And it's here in the Bible, so it's nothing new. Amen? It's, nothing, it's right here. Um, and so again, verse 11, brothers, don't slander one another. When I start speaking ugly about you, I'm slandering you. I'm attacking your character. I'm attacking your sincerity. Anyone who speaks, verse 11, anyone who speaks against his brother, don't speak against the brethren. Speak and build them up. Amen. Don't speak against them to down them. Speak a word that exalts and lifts and strengthens them. Judges him, speaks against the law and judges it. Verse 12, there's only one lawgiver and judge. Who are you to judge your neighbor? Let's look at this together. Now, I want to allow my mouth to be ruled by the law of kindness. How about that? That's if you don't, before, I mean, you think it, don't send it. Sometimes you've got to learn to bite your tongue. Amen? But sometimes emotion comes, and sometimes you get hurt. Sometimes you get offended. Isn't that right? What, what do you say on Sunday? Um, you know, you know when, when you wrestle with a pig, two things happen. Pig gets happy, and you get muddy. Amen? I mean, you know, so when you get carnal, the other carnal person gets, he likes it, because they're carnal. But if you're trying to strive to please the Lord and walk in the Spirit, all does is grieve the spirit within you, and then you got to go back in the prayer closet and look up to the Lord, and he chastises you, but he says, you should know better. You should have walked in love towards that. You shouldn't have taken the bait. That devil tried to bait you. He'll use the brethren sometimes to try to bait you. He'll use the carnal backslide to try to bait you. Amen? But the only way you can put out these fires is when the mature ones walk in love and put them out. You see, if you don't give air to that thing, that fire dies out, isn't that right? 
I don't know a whole lot about fires, but if it has no oxygen, it's going out. And when you don't give it oxygen, you don't give them two cents. You see what I mean? You don't buy into that. You don't buy into that bait. And then next thing you know, it's got to die out. And either they get with it or they go somewhere else where that nonsense is appreciated. Let them know we're trying to meet God here. We're trying to see the power of God flow here. We don't have time for that. We're all under construction. They're knowing better than anyone else, so we're just trying to live for Jesus. So let's try to encourage other and yeah, man, I want to watch how we're saying things. So we, he says, refuse to slander your brother. Allow our mouths to be ruled by the law of kindness and choose words that build, bless, and benefit the brethren. Look at Ephesians 4 and 29. Ephesians 4 and 29. And I think this is a beautiful verse. It's, it always, it's a measuring stick for me. I can, I can leave somewhere and I can measure. Were my words doing this? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Now, that word unwholesome, we said it before. In the Greek, it comes from describing rotten fruit. fruit. <laughs> don't, let your, don't let your speech be like rotten fruit. Good for nothing. I mean, just spoil. No, no, no. Instead, but only what is helpful for building others up. That's beautiful. According to their needs that it may benefit. Amen? Not unnecessarily hurt, not, 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 not beat up, that it might benefit those who listen. Isn't that wonderful? So I say, are my words being helpful to build up the brethren? Are they encouraging you in the Lord? Are they bringing a comfort? Amen? And then it says, I like this, according to their needs. If we know people, we should know how to speak to them in a way that blesses them. What are their needs? Do we know people enough, good enough, to even be able to speak accurately to them? Well, I like this. Measure this. Measure my words. Are building others up and benefiting those that listen. Isn't that good? Amen? Not tearing them down. Not stirring them up. Not trying to bring division between them and someone else. Not saying something that needs to be said. But I said, blessing, building, and benefiting. I like that. I like that. That's a good, that's a good rule of thumb, isn't it? See, this group seemed to have fallen in the habit of criticizing one another. Terrible habit. Terrible habit. Criticizing one another. They were judging, not loving one another. Again, that, that mouth got to be ruled by the law of kindness. I'm, I'm going to walk in love. My mouth has got to get the memo. Amen? My mouth has got to get the memo. There's got to be a kindness about it. Isn't it true? There's got to be. Uh, the Bible talks about how, 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 how men, how they, the washing of the word. They wash their wives with the word. Their words ought to be washing, not contaminating, not afflicting, but washing and cleansing and refreshing. That's something. Oh, yeah. They, they were making false charges against one another. Literally, they were speaking against one another. How many know it's a bad habit if you want peace and unity? and the smile of heaven upon the gathering. Amen? Oh, yeah. Ah. Let's not tear each other down, but let's build each other up. Let's edify one another. Whether at home, in the church, out having coffee. Say, Lord, who can, I, who can I encourage today? Isn't that a good goal? Lord, give me someone to encourage today. Every day I want to encourage somebody. I want to say something that blesses someone. Can I do that? 
You know, God has given us a great gift, this gift called speech. Isn't that right? Animals don't have this gift like we do. God spoke and the world came into order. And he gives you now the gift of speech. We can speak. Power. Words have power. So I got to say, how am I going to use this great gift I have of speech? I can encourage people, inspire people. I, I can lovingly comfort people that might be hurting. Amen. And that's a good goal. So, Lord, every day, help me to bless someone with my words. Right? Don't, don't have to be rich to do that, do you? Don't have to be musically talented. To, I mean, you don't have to have some, just to say, Lord, I want to bless someone with my words. And, Lord, keep me from having a negative effect with my words. Amen? Let's look at a few verses from Proverbs. We're going to look at some positive ones, then we're going to look at some warnings, because the last point that James gives them, if you want the grace of God to flow, the grace that makes us overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil, the grace that causes God's people to be a strong, healthy congregation, then you know what? That we can't slander one another. We can't allow our speech to have negative effects. It has to have a positive effect. And again, again, let's look, if you would, Proverbs 10, Proverbs 10. And let's start out with verse 11. Proverbs 10 and verse 11. Here's a description of the righteous. We're the righteous, are we not? So this should describe us. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of what? Life. Life. I think of that refreshing water. I mean, that clear water, that clean water. I mean, it refreshes you. It cleanses you. Oh, man. And, and again, the mouth of the righteous. Our, our mouths ought to have a refreshing impact on people, like a fountain of life would. The violence, the negative, the hurt, the harshness overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. See, They tear down. They afflict. That's a curse. That's a curse. But the righteous is a blessing like into a refreshing river. Wow. All right. Um, verse 11. Now we look at verse um, 21. Verse 21. Proverbs 10 and verse 21. Again, these are the positive ones. The lips of the righteous, I love this, nourish many. Isn't that good? I mean, they got some vitamin energy in them. I mean, those words, uh, they'll nourish you. Isn't that good? They nourish you. They make you stronger. You, know, you, you can usually tell if kids were raised in a positive atmosphere at home. Does they have a can-do spirit? Amen? Teachers can tell you that. And they can tell what kind of home life a lot of these kids are coming from. And a lot of it just comes from the words. Words of affirmation. You're loved. You're desired. You're a blessing, so you can do it. You can pass that test. It might not be your best thing, but you can do it. We're going to study hard, and you can. And all that, man, I'm telling you, that's nourishing. That nourishes their soul. That nourishes their psyche. The little ones are growing and developing. You, you know, well, you know, if someone gets malnutritioned, if they're younger, it affects development, doesn't it? And so when they're not nourished verbally, it affects how their emotions and their spirit and their soul is developed. Just, just like, you know, the bones and the muscles and all that can have a, have a negative if there's not a nutri proper nutri nutrients, right? You, you can't take out vitamin C and not have some problems. You can't leave out vitamin D and not have some problems. In the same way, if our mouths are nourishing, those around us are going to grow emotionally healthy. 
spirits are going to be healthy. They're going to have a positive attitude, a reverent attitude. Amen? Hallelujah. The lips of the righteous nourish many. And you'll notice that's why people will want to be around you. If you say, Lord, every day let me bless someone. And after a while, you're going to get good at it. After a while, you'll get good at it. It might just be a little encouragement. And the more you get yielded to God, Holy Spirit will allow you to start prophesying. You'll not even, I mean, you'll just speak words and people say, My, how did you? I mean, if you yield to the Lord to be a blessing, how many know God's looking for people that want to be a blessing? Because we've got a little big world out there that's hurting and a big world out there that's just dying for someone. Say something nice. Give me some hope. Give me some compassion. And here comes the child of God. Don't got to learn Greek, Hebrew, or Italian to do this. Amen? Don't have to have a big bank account. Don't have to have a lot of skills. Just a willing heart. Say, Lord, use my lips to nourish someone today. Use my lips to refresh someone today. And after a while, if people know that about you, they'll, they'll seek you out. They'll want to be around you. Because they know when they leave you, they were energized. When, when they leave you, they felt nourished in their soul. They got hope. They go, oh, praise the Lord. Verse 31, verse 31. It's still in Proverbs 10, verse 31. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom. Isn't that good? Because, see, we, we, we have hidden what? The word in our, and out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth. That's some wisdom, amen? Got that book in you. Again, you don't have to have a PhD. You don't have to go to graduate school. But if you get that Bible in you, and you're able to give people advice in line with the word of God, wisdom. Wisdom, you see what I mean? The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom. People seek you out for good advice. You'll be able to help people because you'll have the mind of the Lord because you've hidden that book in your heart and then you speak forth. Your words are washed and saturated with the word of God. The lips of the righteous know what is fitting. Again, that's how it's important to be filled with the spirit, amen? Because you've got to know timing and what's right and what's proper. Sometimes you've got to say this. Other times you've got to kind of, yeah. And when you walk in the spirit, you'll have a word in season. See, the lips of the righteous know what is fitting. Wow. Know what to say and when to say it. Prophet Isaiah spoke about Jesus in that context. About as he grew, he would have the word that refreshes the weary. He would be taught what to say and how to say it. Oh, and timing's important. And tone is important. How many know that? Amen. All right, let's go to that next verse I have under there. Do I have another verse? Is that it? That's it? Is that it? Brings forth wisdom, yeah? All right, all right. now we're going to go to the warnings here, okay? Because, you know, he's talking to Christians. He, this is not the crystal pistol crowd he's talking to. He's not talking to the biker gang. He, he's saying, he's talking to believers. And the believers, he's saying, I'm going to give you some warning here now, all right? Your, your words are causing a lot of the division and the friction. Because words have power. Amen? And words can harm, and words can taint, and words can poison. But if we want to let our words become a blessing, they can have a positive impact. And they can refresh one another, encourage one another. But here, here's the warning. Just so you know, there's power in your words. Don't have to believe that. It's just a reality. Power in your words. Amen? You know, I was just a very, very young pastor. Maybe I just 
turned 30, maybe just turned 30, maybe 29, just turned 30. And um, I left Brother Shambach the first time, and we had our, um, our, our first church there. And um, all of a sudden, I had people that were my grandparents' age that I, that I was pastoring. I'm older than my, my man, older than my parents, and it's, it's, it's different. And you learn real quick. And I always remember the, the nursery rhyme, sticks and stones may break your bones, but can never harm me. I found out that wasn't true. When people began to come talk to you, you know, you're just a kid, but, you know, when you're the pastor, people tend to, you know, they feel, they should, they feel a freedom to talk to you, and they should. They should feel that way towards their pastor, but you're young, and you're just taking all this in, and all of a sudden, I'm hearing people talk about wounds from 30-some-odd years ago. And I found out words can hurt you. Words can and, and, you know, I guess everyone's been hurt once, at least once, even if you grew up in the greatest of atmospheres. Everyone's been hurt by a word, amen? So we've got to remember our words have power to hurt someone like that. Our words have power to influence someone like that. So it's important we recognize that so that obviously we can use it for the positive. Say, Lord, let me use my, let me bless someone today. Let me lift them up. But also so that a very reverent, you, you know, when you, when you teach a kid to hunt, and you take them out, it's hunter safety. Son, this is not a toy. This is how you handle this. If I ever catch you handling this weapon without proper respect, you won't see it again to your 55. I, you know, isn't that right? I mean, you teach them that. You teach them how to hunt. You teach them. They're not a toy. Amen? You can have great fun going out. We're going to hunt. We're going to go on trips together. Daddy and the boy. Oh, good stuff. But this is not a game. This is not a toy. Respect. We've got to learn to get respect for these mouths. Because they can do great blessing or they can do much damage. And here's some of the scriptures. Reckless words pierce like a sword. Man, man, I'll tell you. Before God really got a hold of me, you know, when I, in my younger teenage backsliding years, I'll tell you, I, I, could, I could hurt more people accidentally than some on purpose. I mean, just reckless words, reckless words. Amen? Reckless words have a terrible thing. See, the, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So I'm going to control my words. Because these words have power. And these words can richly bless or they can really hurt. So I want to make sure that, that I recognize these words need to stay under the control of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Because the warning the Bible gives us is reckless words can pierce. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be piercing people. I want to be blessing people. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Amen? Instead of having reckless words that we just and hurt everything. Instead, how about words controlled of the Holy Spirit? And those words bring healing. Amen? All right. What's the next verse? What's the next verse? These are the warning ones now. He who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin again. When I walk in self-control, it keeps me from just being rash and saying something and off the cuff. Oh, God, I wish I wouldn't have said that. I'm so sorry that I said that. I hope no one heard me say that. Amen? This rash. So, again, I've got to recognize this mouth has power. So I've got to respect it. I've got to understand that's from God. God given us power in our words. Amen? So speak to that mountain. I mean, there's word, power in those words. So I want to make sure it's harnessed by the Spirit. So it can be used to bring blessing. Here's some of the warnings. I, I speak rashly, come to ruin. 
I don't want to speak rashly. What's the next one? Do I have another one? That's it. All right, we're going to go home. You've got 10 minutes. If you owe me 10, I'll take it next week. No, I'll take it next time. God is so good to us. Amen? Next week, we want to get into the second part of this chapter, which is um, the, the, the will of God. Amen? That we, we shouldn't say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, but if it be God's will. And so we're, we're going to look at some different responses to the will of God and, and why we should really esteem the will of God and do our best to walk in the perfect will of God. Life's complex. I want to walk in the will of God. Life's short. I don't want to mess up. I want to stay in the will of God. Amen. We're, 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 going, to, we're going to teach that. We're going to teach that. But um, I just pray, Lord, help us. Father, help us to continue to walk in the spirit, to love one another. Help us, oh Lord, to um, walk with a proper reverence and a seriousness in our Christianity. And Lord, help us to love the brethren. And Lord, when we sin, help us to be quick to seek forgiveness and to make things right, not to shrug it off or not to be casual towards it. Help us, Father, to stay humble and give you all the glory, to remember to give you thanks for the many, many, many blessings you've given us, to live a life that's humble before men, but certainly humble before you, that you might lift us up and your blessings might abide on our lives. And Father, help us to Use our words to bless and build and benefit others. Help us to remember and never forget there are power in our words. So we don't want them to hurt others. We don't want them to be controlled of our old nature. We want to make sure the Spirit of God harnesses our words and uses them for the blessing of others and the glory of God. Father, bless these dear ones that have come out tonight. Give them a great week, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, use them. Give them opportunities, even if it's just a, a, a one sentence, to speak blessing into the lives of others, to speak encouragement and comfort and hope. I pray that you would ordain and you would orchestrate encounters and conversations, that you'd bring the right people into their lives that need to hear something, and you would use your servants to speak a word of blessing, comfort, encouragement, and hope. Use us in Jesus' name.